Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My guest today is Sean Flynn, who's a startup mentor, as well as Sean recently started his own local cable TV show called Silicon Valley Successes. The accompanying ebook, Volume 1, rose to the top of Amazon's charts in the startup category. Also on today's show, Sean and I will talk about in the pivot things the startup should be looking for in the future. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, does anyone still remember MySpace? I admit, I actually signed up for MySpace before Facebook a long time ago. Well, you might have forgotten about MySpace, and they just forgot about you. MySpace announced this week that they accidentally deleted um, all videos, audio files, and photos uh, three years and older. So if you were hoping to get any of that back, if you were still using the service, it's most likely gone. And this highlights another situation, which we'll get into in a further show, which is these digital services, whether it's MySpace, Facebook, Google, which is going to discontinue Google+, or Flickr, which accidentally deleted a bunch of photos as well, um, you cannot be safe with storing all these digital files without a backup. In other news... 74% of consumers in a recent survey said that when they are going to shop for anything, they go directly to Amazon.com first before any brick-and-mortar store to see if those items are available. And this isn't only for brick-and-mortar stores. They actually said they also bypass Google, eBay, and other web-based retailers because they believe that they're going to check if Amazon um, is lower cost and faster first. And this is just the growing trend in the retail apocalypse. The last story I wanted to highlight this week is the Mirai botnet is back. You might not remember what Mirai is, but in 2016, Mirai infected a lot of corporate systems, including Dyn, which is the registrar for many web sites, and took the entire um, network down so you wouldn't be able to get access to those sites. Well, we talk about how viruses, uh, computer viruses, are just like regular viruses. And so Mirai has now morphed into another generation of a virus. And so the news this week is just to make sure, as we always recommend in your companies and in your, your homes, to always patch your systems and keep your security systems up to date. And that's the news of the week. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. Again, my guest today is my friend Sean Flynn, who is a startup mentor and coach, host of the Silicon Valley Successes Cable TV show here in the Valley, um, an expert at cross-border business, and the recent award winner. I'm going to do this again, Marco. You're going to have to edit that out. (laughs) Are you recording? You're recording. Of course. It's Uh, just one take. That's right. Video. Yeah. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. My guest again is my friend Sean Flynn, who's a startup mentor and coach, also the host of Silicon Valley Successes, great name, Sean, um, a local cable TV show here in the Valley, highlighting startups and other companies. 
Also, Sean just rose to number one in Amazon for an ebook he just launched, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley Successes Reference Library, Volume 1. Welcome again, Sean. Oh, thank you for having me. So, Sean, uh, you've had a really diverse career so far. You spent time in China. You coach startups. Where did you get your start? How did this all begin? Well, good question. Uh, as funny as it sounds, it started when I was in college. I was mechanical engineer undergrad, and I really wanted to travel abroad, do a semester abroad. But because of my major, I wasn't really permitted to do that. I didn't want to fall behind, didn't want to stay there any longer than I had to. So the last two years of college, I just wanted to travel. I wanted to go someplace. And I had that opportunity to go to Costa Rica because I had a friend in the Peace Corps there. When I was there, I learned uh, about the growth of China. This was 2005, 2006. So I didn't, then decided the next opportunity, go to China. When I was there, I basically just saw this monster, this growth. From 2008 to 2013, I was there in Beijing, in uh, Wudalko. Uh, Wudalko is this area that has Zhongwansun, which is kind of the tech park of, of China. And I just got to see the change. And then when I came back to the U.S. in 2013, I immediately went to the startup ecosystem because, I mean, that felt comfortable, that fast pace, that movement. And, and in that, um, you actually studied Chinese, didn't you? Yes. So when I was in China, a funny story, the first two years I was there, I noticed a lot of the other foreigners, they actually never learned Chinese, no matter how long they were there for, because everyone wanted to practice their English. So since I had lived in Costa Rica before, I had told everyone, you know, like, I'm sorry, I can't speak English. Like, I can only speak Spanish. And so for two <laughs> years there, I told everyone I was from Costa Rica and I couldn't speak English. So they either had to speak to me in Spanish, which no one speaks in China. Except tour guides. Ex yeah, or Chinese. So I wasn't that popular, to be honest, but I learned Chinese. So then after two years, my roommate saw my American passport in my room and uh, my cover was blown. But, <laughs> but, but don't worry. When I thought everyone was going to be mad at me, they actually were the opposite. When I told all my friends, they were, you know, we'll pay for me like, oh, my God, you're, you know, you've tricked us into giving you something without getting anything in return. You're so smart, which, you know, is completely foreign to us in the U.S., but there it was actually a, a good thing. And everyone, you know, were still my friends after. I'm still in contact with a lot of them now, even though that was, God, 2003, we're, we're on 10 years now. No, that's a great story. I mean, my longtime listeners know I'm Chinese-American, but my command of the Chinese language since I was born and raised in the United States uh, is not very good. So your Chinese puts mine to shame. Nah. So that that's great. And so with that, uh, you came back to the United States. You're working in the startup ecosystem. Are you focusing on Chinese startups, Chinese-American startups, or just any startups? When I first came back to the States in 2013, actually, I wanted to steer away from the Chinese market. I was kind of done with that. I was there for so long. I wanted to immerse myself in Silicon Valley and what was going on here. Uh, I actually just kind of happened to stumble in on it just because of my background. So I was working with this angel group up in Sausalito. I was the investment director there for some time, and I was doing deal flow agreements between them and the new Chinese incubators in Silicon Valley because they have 20 years of contacts here in the Valley, which is amazing. And you need that network to really get things done and to have opportunities and chances. And you have this brand new money coming from overseas that has no contacts. So I was doing some deal flow agreements, partnering everyone up. And when I was doing that, 
I just was starting to get some job offers and one company made a very good offer and that's the company I'm at today, my nine to five. And that's how I stumbled back into it because they said, oh my God, there's this one local person that's got this network and he can speak Chinese. <laughs> it's perfect for us. So instead of partnering and doing some contract with them, why not we just hire him? So that company is Tech Code. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's what I think is uh, really valuable having you on the show today is with the listener, especially those interested in the startup ecosystem. A lot of people advise or say that they're a startup advisor or a lot of startups say that they need one, but what is the real value of that kind of advice and opportunities? Somebody who's really into the the weeds, who's lived in and breathed it, especially the cross-border aspect of it. So I think that is gonna be super helpful as we talk about what's going on in our next segment. But before we get into our next segment, I wanted to highlight a few upcoming events. So May 31st, the sixth annual San Jose Smart City Conference will be happening at San Jose City Hall here in the Valley. As always, it's entirely free to the public. If you want to register online, come to our website, svin.biz, where you'll find out more information on how to sign up. And then for companies who want to sponsor or be featured or exhibit, also email us at info at svin.biz. Uh, we already have over 10 city governments that will be attending in the audience. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about today on the startup ecosystem with Sean Flynn, um, email us again at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Sean Flynn, a startup mentor and the host of the Silicon Valley Successes TV show, here in the Valley, and also uh, recently became a best-selling author in Amazon in the startup and startup ecosystem category. So welcome back, Sean. Thank you for having me, Keith. So Sean, I think since both of us work in the startup ecosystem and we talk a lot to both startups and the corporate partners, how do startups choose an accelerator or an incubator program that fits their needs? And then also, how does the incubator itself pick the companies that they want to to um, invest in and mature? So to be honest, most companies do it wrong. They just send out applic- or their pitch deck or their one page or two, everyone out there, or find one that has availability. And that's completely wrong. It's a waste of time. What they should really be doing is finding the one that's in their niche that has the connections that can make introductions for them. And what I mean by that is, so say you have a desk, you know, at a WeWork, great. Your neighbors are dog walkers or lawyers or, you know, who knows, or a real estate agent. Does that really help you that much? But if you're at an incubator that focuses on that one type of technology, for example, let's say FinTech, you know, the people around you, you can talk to them. What lawyer are you using? You know, what accountant are you using? Because you know, with this new technology like blockchain and that, there's new regulations all the time. You can't just go to someone on the yellow pages or, or online. You need someone that specializes. And you want someone that you know is referred and that person referred you is actually using that has experience. And then those incubators, accelerators, the people that are coming in the doors are the people you want to meet. 
And what I mean by that is the investors that come in are the investors that are looking for fintech companies. Right. Versus, like I said, WeWork or a general incubator that's just, you know, open to any startup at a certain stage. I mean, you really want to take full advantage of it, especially as a startup, because you only have so many months or a year of run runway. I mean, you're going to run out of cash pretty quickly and have to actually go and get a real job. So you got to use every day to its full value. So you really, when you're picking your incubator, you have to, or accelerator, think how many of the resources they have will benefit you and you have to take advantage of those. Thanks, Sean. That's great advice. This week was the latest batch at Plug and Play for InsureTech and Enterprise Toyota, where I mentor at. And just to go back to the point you were making, um, having the right ecosystem for you, for the incubator, it's the first time as a group that they actually cared about regulations, which if I think about past and a lot of the shows we do, we talk about the secret to success in Silicon Valley. Uh, free flow of ideas, smart people, access to capital, I always throw in the great weather. But also the fifth one is that there's a real lack of regulation up until you know more recent times, let's say last five or so years. And we can see the horror story with Theranos, and we can see where um, a lot of companies rush to the crypto or ICO aspect of blockchain, not the technology, and got in trouble. So the fact that these startups are now being purposeful and saying, hey, I do need the right kind of advisors. I need the right kind of help, whether it's attorneys or accountants or people who understand the regulation that applies to me. That is just very encouraging. So what are some of the, you've seen a lot, what are some of the stories you can talk about in dealing with startups over the years? Well, good stories or bad stories? Any or stories, any... they're all good. Oh God, the list goes on and on. I, that's one amazing thing about Silicon Valley and the work I do, every day I'm meeting these companies that have a founder with an idea. Whether that idea is the next big thing, who knows? There's a lot of situations where I'll hear of something, completely blow it off, and then find out three months later, the guy raised a million dollars and it's just moving forward. But then there's other times when someone pitches an idea to me and I just think, how politely can I get this guy out of the room without him killing me? I, <laughs> Like, I'm serious. Some, some of these founders, you I guess you have to be a little crazy to want to be a founder, especially in Silicon Valley with all the competition out there and all the other outlets for maybe your possible genius to decide to risk it all, flying from another country here, relocating for a short amount of time with just enough money for eight weeks to found a company or something. You got to be a little insane. And so sometimes... When I'm sitting down with a founder and he's pitching me his idea, the pitch will go literally something like this. I need to raise $20 billion. My company's going to destroy I, I, Apple. I think that's a rounding error, $20 billion. See, there's been times when I've said that too, especially if they're from a foreign country and I go, okay, what's that in U.S. dollars? But then their normal response is, you must be an idiot because you don't see my vision. With me going, okay, that means I have to sit here for 20 minutes because it's not a, a safe zone. And uh, then I have to introduce that guy later to Keith and pawn him off on him. <laughs> well, this is where it gets funny. You're about to say something about Apple. Oh, God. Everyone always likes to compare their company to you know, the big ones out there, whether it's Facebook, Google, Apple. I had one startup founder that 
in their pitch deck, they were selling time. Like literally they're monetizing time going, you know, a hair cutter can cut hair 24 hours a day. So why not we sell their time at 3 a.m. for a slight discount to 3 p.m. with me going, well, maybe that person doesn't want to work. And the guy just, you know, basically told me, I don't understand that time's a commodity. And I was like, okay, okay. And that their company was going to be so big, it was going to take down Apple, Google, Facebook, and the Chinese government. By monetizing time. By monetizing time. So my similar story <laughs> was I had a gentleman who wanted to meet me and uh, basically said, and again, I don't speak Chinese, so we had an interpreter, but he said, I am the Steve Jobs of robots of China. And there's no one in the world who understands the emotional impact of a robot more than I do. Oh, God. How long did that meeting go? The meeting went the normal time of a meeting. Let's say it was a lunch meeting, so about an hour, hour and a half. And, um, you know, I bring this up often because I'm a child of uh, the 80s and I watched movies. And I said, you know, I'm not sure. So, for instance, a selfie robot. So a robot that will follow you, looks like a broomstick with a camera on it, and will take pictures of you and will start social blogging for you. It will start writing the software for you, the, the, the verbiage. And I said, well, you know, robots are great, but we had a little movie here in America called Terminator, and we had Skynet, and a lot of people don't want that intimacy with a robot. Well, imagine if you're the first investor in Skynet, though. I mean, <laughs> your returns are going to be pretty good. No, this is a different show, Sean. This is the AI robotic process automation show that we'll have in the future. But right now we're talking about this guy who believes that we have human interaction with hardware physical robots. But yes, you're right. If you are the first investor in Skynet, you will get a good return until, oh, yeah. until as Ken Jennings, the winner of uh, Jeopardy says, <laughs> we'll be taken over by our, our, our uh, computer overlords. Well, as long as you got your stock options, I mean. <laughs> so once again, this is Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, joined with Sean Flynn, host of Silicon Valley Successes and author of Silicon Valley Successes Reference Library, Volume 1, which shot up the ranks in Amazon to number one. Uh, he'll be talking about that and more stories in our next segment. But before we break, I wanted to also bring up another event coming up June 3rd through 7th in San Francisco, the second annual Tulip Emerging Technologies Conference. Uh, this conference is focusing on moonshots. So things like technology to save the world, sustainability, also how do we solve for the opioid crisis, and other things that are coming up like robotic process automation where are you really going to lose your job. For information on how to sponsor or attend or exhibit, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll be right back with more of Sean Flynn. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, joined with Sean Flynn, startup mentor, host of Silicon Valley Successes, a local cable TV show here in the Valley, and author of a best-selling ebook on Amazon. Welcome back, Sean. Thank you for having me, Keith. So for this week's Cyber Tip, Earlier in the show, I talked about how MySpace accidentally deleted 
all photos, videos, and audio files, so your music, um, actually 50 million records if it was older than three years, and that's not coming back. Uh, the tip is that as we rely on these digital services, whether you're an individual or a business owner or a corporation, is to always keep these digital files backed up somewhere and somewhere where it's not stored in the same location. So for instance, here in California, Earthquake Country, if you want your digital photos, uh, I would actually store them on a backup. You could do it on a flash drive, a backup hard drive, and then keep that in a remote location, maybe at your parents' home in a different city, maybe put it into a secure other vault or location where um, you physically send it across the country. But it just highlights that as we rely more and more on quote-unquote cloud services, that you don't actually have control over that anymore. And this also ties into, this isn't just the services I mentioned where they've either um, gone by the wayside or people just don't care about it anymore, and that would be MySpace, Google+, or Flickr. But this is also current services because YouTube and Facebook, there's no guarantee that they will preserve your files either. They actually have disclaimers in their um, contracts that you implicitly sign that they're not responsible for any of your data. So once again, tip of the week, keep your files backed up or keep them in another cloud service or another location that you can get to and always know um, how to retrieve them when you need it. And that's the tip of the week. So Sean, in our last segment, we were getting into some really fun startup stories. What are some other great stories in your experience? I guess one that sticks out in my mind right now is when I met the founder uh, of Redix for the first time, John Bradley. It's a very interesting startup. They're liquidizing the real estate market, tokenizing it uh, through blockchain technology. And when I first met him, he just had an idea for doing it. And he has an amazing background, former Army Ranger. And I was asking him, like, what's tougher, you know, doing a startup or Army Ranger? He's like, are you kidding? An Army Ranger? Like, <laughs> like, you don't know what we go through. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then he was telling me about his whole team. And I got to meet the team. And it was <laughs> this hodgepodge group just put together. You know, you had this marketer from Google. You had this, you know, programmer from Eastern Europe. But they're all just in a room and they're like, we're going to do this. And I'm just looking around and their advisors from, you know, former Soviet Union used to run a uh, science park there just going, you know what? I think these guys are crazy enough. I think they're going to do something. And uh, they're they're moving ahead. They're they're really doing it. So. I've actually met John, not through you, but I met John um, recently. So it's great. Yeah. Good story. And then another startup, just while we're talking about that, Maya from Wave.ai, uh, creating your own song in under five minutes on, on an app. I just can't wait to go to those karaoke business meetings and just pull out the app, wave.ai, instead of singing eight, 1980s Bon Jovi songs. So Hey, I like the 1980s Bon Jovi songs. They're, they're good, not after, you know, <laughs> so many drinks at 4 a.m. when you're like, God, I heard that guy sing the same song three times now. Well, I'm sure you've definitely seen a lot in the startup ecosystem, and we could go on with all those stories. But I think what would be really interesting to talk about is how you growth hacked your ebook. Oh, thank you. So the ebook, I guess let's go back a little bit. So the sure. ebook is the first 10 episodes of the TV show Silicon Valley Successes. And what we did for it was 
I mean, we really put it together in two and a half weeks, which sounds kind of crazy to put uh, you know, a 200-page book together in such a short time. But what we did was we had the 10 interviews. We used uh, software called otter.ai. It's a free software up to 600 minutes. We got the transcriptions of the interviews. Then I had a virtual assistant in the Philippines clean it up. We created the other little parts of the book. The goal was, because in two weeks we knew there was a big event at Tech Code, there'd be 100 people there. And I figured, okay, if I get everyone there to, you know, with the QR code on the monitor to scan a free download, it probably would push me up a little bit. But then I thought, okay, I have 10 guests that were on the show. And each of those guests have their own social media reach. And some of them, you know, their expertise is social media. So they have quite a good following. Mm -hmm. So if I can get all 10 of these people and my own network all at the same time in a short amount of time to push it out to the network, it will grow our following. It's a great resource because in my mind, it's a huge value add for everyone the guests. It's a business card. What's a better business card really than, hey, I have a full chapter dedicated to me in this ebook. Right. That's the greatest thing ever. Send that to everyone. So with that, we did work as a team. We were number one on Amazon for the key search words of startup and starting a business. And we were 37th globally on the day after our launch. That's that's great. And is, is your book still, ebook still available on Amazon? Still available. Uh, you have to pay for it now. So unless you're buddies with Keith, maybe uh, Keith can get you a <laughs> PDF version or something. I'm, I'm not really sure. You'd talk to him about it. But uh, I, I am making a ton of rubles right now. If that, <laughs> if that's any you know anything to say about the book, but what what's amazing is just it's a business card for everyone that's been on the show. And our next book we are planning on releasing in about two months. So every ten episodes we plan on releasing an ebook. We plan on having those guests promote it to their group, and we're just going to build this community where everyone that's on the show they get a big win. We get a big win, and since more people are learning about this information, they get a big win as well. No, that's that's really cool. Since I'm going to be on an upcoming show of yours, does that mean I'm going to be in one of your future eBooks? I believe you're in the next eBook, actually, in about two months. Yeah, you'll be, you'll have an entire chapter dedicated to you in an Amazon bestseller with the key small businesses, startup that that genre. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll have you back for, the, we'll have to have you back on the show to to talk more about that. So that's great that your ebook took off and um, exciting that you were able to use social media and just be able to growth hack that with your network. How would other people be able to leverage that experience that you had? Well, the ebook itself has a ton of knowledge in it. And to release an ebook, if that's your question, it's all about engagement. It's all about engagement with people and creating value for them. And the reason so many people that we worked with wanted to pass it forward to other people they knew or know and share the link was because they were getting value out of sharing that knowledge. They were getting you know, compliments, so they wanted to keep sharing. And those people wanted to receive some value, and they, so they'd pass it along. So it's all about engaging the audience in a way that they see value for themselves in, if that makes sense. It absolutely does, and I think that's very consistent with – why you started your TV show. So let's talk about Silicon Valley successes. I'm Silicon Valley Insider. Uh, my, my show is really about um, helping uh, 
highlighting corporations, startups, unicorns, but really in terms of what's their technology and what the impact is on society and what the risk management principles are, because there's a lot of things that you have to worry about in doing business with each other. Um, Silicon Valley successes is about empowering the startup ecosystem. Yes. So what I discovered more than anything in this ecosystem was there's a ton of information out there from people that have had successes such as, oh, I IPO'd or my company got bought or I'm this successful venture capitalist. But I didn't see that much information for the startups between seed and A round. And mm -hmm. what that is is those early companies, maybe three months to one year, one and a half year in their journey. There's a ton of courses out there that say this is what you should do, but there's not those interviews with the founders where they say, you know, this is my first time ever sitting down with an investor. I had no idea what to look for on the term sheets. This is how I thought. This is how the conversation went. Or, you know, I didn't even know how to approach that first investor. And this is kind of my journey to it. And those are the stories I really wanted to capture. And then the people, the service providers that specifically work with those early stage companies, that seed to A round, like I mentioned, that have done it for 10, 15, 20 years. So all my guests on my show, it's that early stage focus that I'm trying to capture and I'm trying to do it in a way that anyone anywhere in the world will be able to have access to that knowledge. And the value I see there is I spent eight years overseas total, Costa Rica, China, Europe, China, back to the U.S. And I know how many entrepreneurs there are globally that might be because of their location isolated from a lot of knowledge and definitely from a lot of experience. The experience itself is something that you can't pass up that value, and that's what's here in Silicon Valley. So I want these people to be able to access that experience here. So right now we're just using video, but later we're also going to do live stream, Q&A. And I mean, I have this long-term goal that we could talk about later, but for now it's creating a way for people to get that experience when they start their journey. And that's great. I mean, I think that's where that cross-border empowerment comes in. I know in our final segment, we'll talk in the pivot, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So with the close of this segment, what is one key attribute you want to leave to the listener about what it takes to be a successful startup in the Valley? What I've noticed more than anything in the Valley is the most successful people, whether it's the entrepreneur, the investor, or anyone, are the ones that are able to ask the best question. That question that no one else thought of, but they asked it and everyone goes, oh my God, the answer to that question is a game changer. I wish I'd come up with that question. Those people are the ones I've noticed that are bar none, the most successful people. Well, that's great. And I think we can see that in that this week, there's a lot of IPOs coming out like Lyft. So um, once again, today's show, we've had Sean Flynn, who is the host of Silicon Valley Successes, a local cable TV show, author of a best-selling ebook on Amazon, and a startup mentor. And today we've talked a lot about how Sean goes out of his way to empower the startup ecosystem, not just here in the Valley, but globally as well. If you have any questions or comments about what we've talked about today with Sean, email us at info at svn.biz. And we'll be right back to finish the show with The Pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. 
Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I was joined with Sean Flynn, who's a startup mentor, host of the Silicon Valley Successes TV show, which is a local cable on a local cable channel, as well as um, an author of a best-selling ebook on Amazon. Welcome back, Sean. Thank you for having me again, Keith. So, Sean, thanks for joining us for our final segment of today's show, The Pivot. And as we discussed, The Pivot is a concept where companies change their minds, individuals change their minds, sometimes for um, the better and sometimes not. So we both have Silicon Valley in our show's names. Mine's Insider, yours is Successes. And I think, we, we tongue-in-cheek, we both say we're here in Silicon Valley, but that we both are focused on global empowerment of our listeners and our viewers. So I thought it was really cool because we talked about it all throughout the show that your experience as a startup mentor, that you spent eight years abroad in Costa Rica, three years and five years in China, and how you're trying to empower the startup ecosystem to have that same access to the information available here. So let's walk through that story. How's that a pivot for you? Oh, God. So it started off as just an idea of okay, how can I get information from here to someone overseas or someone outside of Silicon Valley? And I was thinking, okay, I'll just do a blog. That's it. Something nice and simple. And then I was thinking, how much more difficult would it be to a podcast? In fact, I thought, oh, that'd even be easier. And I had this idea for about a year and I lined up interviews. I lined up everything, but I never took action. And then one day I was in Mountain View, uh, Leadership Mountain View. Leadership Mountain View is a nine-month program where they have a business leader from a lot of different companies in Mountain View come together and learn about the community, how they can work with the community. So, you know, I represent Tech Code. We had there's a person from Google, LinkedIn, all these you know companies in Mountain View. And on one of the days, they took us to KMVT 15, the public access TV station. I went, oh my gosh. I got, I got to pull the trigger on my podcast idea, but actually bump it up to video. And, you know, how do I get this this TV show here? They go, oh, you got to take classes. You got to learn how to do lighting. You got to learn how to be, a, you know, edit things and director and producer. And, and, you know, it takes all these months to do it. I went, okay, I'm going to sign up. And the next day I was online mapping out my schedule with their calendar, with all the courses I had to take to you know, figure out how to do it in, in the shortest time possible. And of course, they're like, yeah, then you have to crew on other people's shows for six months. And I went, that's not happening. I'm going to do this from day one. And, you know, I was able to put this thing together that normally takes a year or so in you know, about two and a half months, three months. And then I had all the episodes or the people before that were going to be on pod- podcasts and told them they're going to be on a TV show now and just started going. So it went from this little podcast I did to now you know, local TV, but that local TV, we've also reached out to a bunch of other cable stations. So we're on about 15 stations right now. How, how are you getting overseas though? How are you distributing to your overseas oh, audience? So we have a couple plans with that that we've already started. For China, we have our Weibo account and our WeChat or a Tencent account. And then for India, we're actually doing an ambassador program. And what that is, is we're reaching out to the universities, the entrepreneur clubs, and we're having one person there represent us to the community. And the goal of it is, is we're going to start doing live stream where they can actually ask questions to our guests a week after their show airs. So for example, Keith, when your show airs coming up a week later, they're going to have the opportunity to ask you questions. And let's be honest, if you're 
in some of these rural areas, you don't even have access to the the big players in your city or the neighboring city. Imagine the thrill of someone when they go, oh my gosh, I have access to that that guy that was on that show that I saw online who's an expert in Silicon Valley. Well, I love it. So just two past guests I can think of, Jonathan Nelson of the Hack Fund, he talked about how he's tokenizing his VC to one, give access to foreign investors to buy into something that they'd have to be normally um, a U.S. investor in. So they still have to be accredited but and go through all the background checks, but that they can be buying um, fractions of a fund through, through um, a tokenized fund. And Jonathan grew up as a missionary in Costa Rica. Wow. And he talked about how, you know, just getting shoes on people were important and how um, the entire, if I recall, the entire investment capital base of 2017 or 18 was a half a billion dollars in that part of the world where that was, um, you know, Uber had raised, I think, $2 billion in the last raise. And so that's something he was very passionate about. And then Bina Amanoth, who's the global VP at of HPE's innovation, um, she too was talking about how the point where you can f- find a cure for cancer sitting in someone in Africa and they just untapped. I think that's the powerful point of what you're trying to do with your show. So with that, and just the final part we have with today's pivot, how would the person receiving the information, how's that going to change their mindset and what they would have done? Well, they'll finally have a chance to access their dream. They will get the opportunities to reach out to people that they wouldn't have opportunities otherwise. And when you have that mindset of things are possible, that's when you can make change. That's when you can do things. When you see that that door is not closed in front of you, that's actually wide open and it's easy to walk through, you can do so much. That's great, Sean. Well, thanks a lot for being here. Hope you come back on the show sometime. Thank you for having me. I'd love to be back anytime. So thanks again for tuning in. You can find me, Keith Koo, on LinkedIn, keithkoo.sv on Facebook. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN.